They look busy back there. Okay. Morning, morning. Y'all get the, uh, the B team to substitute today. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father God, we thank you and praise you for this day. And Father, we thank you for these, your people that have gathered here. And Father, we pray that as we read your word and study your word, that, that what you would have us to understand and how you would have us to hold on to those thoughts as we go out into our life. And that we would always remember that you are the God of the universe <clears throat> that's looking out for us, that cares for us, that loves us so much that he gave his son. And all these things we ask in your son Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I don't have a joke, but Stephen said he did not spit in the water. But if it tastes funny, don't drink it. I don't know. He might have spit in it. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> here we go. The... Um, what I'm talking about to me today, and um, this is all for me, I'm sure if you can use it, that's good. If you can't, you're ahead of me. Um, our title today is Trust God, right? And um, for the most part, that sounds, you know, pretty biblical, uh, trust God, like you're in a bad situation, and they say, well, you need to trust God. Well, like, you know, what, what exactly does that mean? You know, how do, what does it mean, trust God? And, and more importantly, how do we get there? How do we get to a spot where we trust God? <clears throat> we could also say have faith in God, right? And that means basically the same thing, but we're going to concentrate on the trust part, okay? All right, let's, um, let's go to James, first chapter, and the sixth verse. And this is the New International Version we're reading here, right? But anyway, I'll start with verse 5. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you, this is the one that we concentrate on. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. And that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Okay, so <clears throat> the, the King James says, let him ask in faith nothing wavering, right? So tr trust here, the, the, how I'm trying to use it today, and I don't want to make this too confusing, is, is the waiting part of faith, right? Trust is the not wavering part, okay? So we can ask, but the part where we don't waver, that's the part where we're trusting God, trusting his word. Trust is like the opposite of being double-minded. And then, you know, 
we trust like a lot of things, right? Like we trust the bank to keep our money, right? Well, we don't necessarily trust them to work on our car, right? Makes sense. I, I, would, I would trust Terry to bake a birthday cake, right? Bobby, not so much, right? So we have different trust. So, so why trust God and what are we trusting him for? Why trust God and why are we trusting him for? All right, let's go to Proverbs, <clears throat> third chapter. Uh, and the fifth verse, Proverbs. Got all these little marks. Just got to get to the right one. You're there ahead of me, right, Sally? Proverbs, third chapter, fifth verse. It said, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. We'll get back to that leaning on your own understanding in a minute. And in all your ways submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil, and this will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. So why should we, why should we trust in the Lord? Because he'll make our paths straight. And he'll bring health to our body. And, and in what area should we trust God? And this says, in all your ways, trust God. And lean not on your own understanding. And that's um, difficult for a lot of us, right? Because we like to get on Google. And we like to kind of figure it out for ourselves, right? We, we, we're the great figure-outers. Um, we don't just take the trust God part and, and let it go. Making sense? Does this make sense? Does that make sense to you, Silas? Good. Keller, that, we, we doing okay? All right. So the trust part is, is the part where we wait for an answer, right? Trust part means that we know that God is good on his word, right? We know Terry can bake a cake. We know Bobby probably can't, right? That's our trust. So let's turn now to Psalms um, 56, 3 and 4. Psalms 56, 3 and 4. Psalms 56, yeah, okay. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust and am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? And then over into verse 10, same chapter, verse 10. In God, whose words I praise, in the Lord, whose word I praise... In God I trust and am not afraid. What can man do to me? So, so David, this is, this is a psalm of David. So David here is, is talking about, you know, if, if, God, if, like, if God is for me, really, who, who can successfully be my enemy, right? I mean, the God of the universe here is on my side. What, what can men do to me? 
what, what could they ever do to me? All right, so I trust one more verse, and I think we'll, we'll kind of get the gist of what we talk. Hebrews 11, 6. Am I jumping to too many scriptures? We doing okay? I always worry about that. Actually, I worry more that I get up here and forget what I'm going to say. <laughs> you ever forget up, get up here and forget the words that saw you? You worry about that? I worry about that. So I should trust God. <laughs> Very good. Um, and we talked about faith and trust. There's a lot. And, and how I'm trying to use it here is, is the trust is a kind of the waiter, wave, waiting part of faith. Trust is a non-wavering part of faith. And then and verse 6. And without faith, faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards them who earnestly seek him. So we must believe that God is, if we're going to trust him, we must believe that God is. But as a bonus, he rewards those that diligent, the, the King James actually says diligently, earnestly is a good word. And earnestly and diligently, I, I think that's like, um, you know, and, and I've used this example before, it's like, it's where we live. It's not where we go on vacation. It's not like the comment of, like, I trust God, and then, no, 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 maybe I don't, maybe I do. Yep, I trust God, no, 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 maybe I don't. It's not like that, right? It's, it's earnestly and diligently. That means, like, almost all the time. That means that's where you live. You live, you live thinking that God is your God. God is the God of the universe, and God's on my side. God wants what's best for me. So that uh, the boils down to this. We, we believe in a supernatural God, right? The creator of the universe. He loves us, and he wants the very best for each of us. Y'all believe that? You believe that, Philip? He wants the very best. And God also has a specific plan and purpose for each of us. Although he is kind of like the GPS, like when we miss a turn or we go the wrong way, he says recalculating and he'll get you back another way, right? So we have to re get our mind set on that. And when trouble comes, we have to get our mind set back to God loves us. God wants what's best for us. We got to lock in on that mindset. And trouble falls on everyone. Anybody, anybody don't believe that? Anybody believe, everybody believe that? Trouble falls on everyone. Amen. Amen. Trouble falls on everyone. Just because you're a Christian, that makes you exempt, unfortunately. Probably makes you more of a target. So let's, let's read in Matthew Seventh chapter. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. And I know we've heard this a lot of times, but. Got it, Sally? Whoop. Matthew 7 24. Matthew 7 24. My, my title says, The Wise and Foolish Builders. Therefore, everyone who hears 
these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain came and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had a foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them in practice is a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So the, the point there was one, one house stood and one house didn't. But our point we're trying to make is that verse 25, which we're talking about the wise men, we got the rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew, beat against the house, and then 27, the rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew, beat against the house. This is the same thing. This is for the wise man and the foolish man. Same wind, same rain. Different results, drastically different results. But it's the same troubles that we run into. The wise man trusted God. And the foolish man leaned on his own understanding. All right, now, which is the part I like best, let's look at the Bible heroes and how they trusted, trusted God. And these are, I think everybody's going to know these stories um, from, you know, you could, without even thinking. Abraham, father of faith, had many instances where he trusted God, right? But the one we're going to talk about here is he and Isaac and where he was supposed to sacrifice Isaac. At 100 years old, Abraham had waited 20 years to have a son that God promised him, Isaac. And then, after he had Isaac, God said, uh, let's sacrifice him. Hmm? Pretty tough. We don't, I don't think we face those kind of situations, but pretty tough situation. Let's go to Genesis 22, verse 2. Genesis 22, verse 2, here it comes, and God's going to lay the hammer down here. Then said God, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. Holy smoke. That's pretty tough, isn't it? Let's jump over to verse 9. And when they reached the place the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it, and he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood, and then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me, your son, your only son. Okay, so how many people think they could do that? I don't think I could do that. I don't, I mean, although I feel like strangling some of my kids sometimes, I don't know if I could put them up on a thing. And I don't think I could think about it like that and then, then, then stab them there like that. But, God, but Abraham had put all of his trust in God. That, I mean, these are like 
I mean, these are miracle, beyond miracle kind of, of instances here. We're not going to face those kind of trials, I don't believe, in our own lives. All right, let's look at Joshua. Joshua um, took over from Moses, you remember, and then they walked across the, uh, the, the Jordan River on dry land, and when they got to the other side, there was the walled city of Jericho, right? And, I mean, that's part of the enemy. You got to defeat the people in there. But it was, you know, I mean, it's kind of like if you just try to go up the walls and stuff like that, you're going to lose a lot of soldiers and this, that, and the other. So let's, um, let's read in Joshua chapter 6, verse 2. Verse 2, got it? Right. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its kings and its fighting men. I doubt it looked like much of he had been. God said, See, I've delivered them. I don't know that it looked much like he had been delivered. And then he said, March around the city once with all armed men, and do this for six days, and have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark, and on the seventh day march around the city seven times, and when the priests blow the trumpets, with the priests blowing the trumpets, and when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army gave a loud shout, and then the wall of the city will collapse, and the army will go up, everyone straight in. Um, have you ever heard of a military strategy where the strategy is march around the city seven times and blow the trumpet? Um, if you remember um, um, Tombstone, when Wider walked out into the river shooting at Curly Bill, and then after it was over, um, I think it was Texas Jack, asked the other guy, said, have you ever seen anything like that? And he said, I never even heard of anything like that. Okay? You ever heard of anything like that? No? Leon, you heard anything like that? No. All right, so, so Joshua followed God's instruction. He trusted God. All of the plans seemed crazy. I mean, at best, right? But Joshua followed God's plan. All right, we're doing okay? These people trusted God, didn't they? Didn't they? If we had trust in God like that, wow, what things we could do. Now let's talk about David and Goliath. The, if you remember, the Philistines and the Israelites were camped on both sides, and every day Goliath, which was a giant of a man, would, they call him Goliath, right, uh, would march out into the valley and charge, challenged the Israelites to fight, and all of those were afraid uh, until David showed up, right? And then David took the, ch took the challenge, and then we're going to read about the, uh, the battle that took place here. Uh, 1 Samuel 17, 41. I hope I am reaching you, because I... I think this is a good this is a good lesson. All right, here. 
And then this is when they're getting, getting ready to fight here And 41. Meanwhile, a Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. And he looked David over and saw that he was a little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome. And he, dis- and he despised him. And he said to David, am I a dog that you come at me at sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I will give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. And David saw the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And this very day I will give your carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. And the Philistine moved closer to attack him, and David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him, reaching into his bag and taking out a stone. He slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead, and the stone sunk into his forehead, and he fell down face on the ground. So, how could, back to Curly Bill and them, how could sending a, shep- a shepherd boy to face a giant warrior make any sense whatsoever? These people weren't leaning on, on their own understanding. They were t- trusting God. Make sense? And how could Saul think that that was a good idea to send David out there to face the giant? Maybe, I, I don't know, maybe that was just buying time. He would kill, go ahead and kill David and then he could go on, right? But David trusted God. So, pretty dramatic stories. And we... We'll never face those kind of challenges of Abraham and Joshua and David. But everyone will face their own challenges. Big and small, some big, some small, some life-threatening, some really don't make much sense. And when these storms come, we must get locked in on the trust God mindset, right? Not what we, you know, not necessarily what the doctor says, not necessarily what we can find on the internet, not what Aunt Lucy says, but trusting God, right? That, that is the key. And I say I'm preaching to me um, because I need a, a better dose of trusting God. Not, and not standing on our own understanding, right? Which, yeah, which is a problem for a lot of people. All right, that makes sense. Trust God. All right, now, helpful hints. You know, when they give you something really, like um, you're reading the instructions on how to put something together, and then way down at the bottom, after you've messed up all this other stuff, they have helpful hints. Helpful hints. Watch what you say and what you hear. All right? When Abraham 
took Isaac to be sacrificed. Okay? He didn't discuss that with Sarah. We didn't, have, we didn't take a vote on that, right? He just did it. He, in fact, he left early the next morning. After God told him what to do, he left early the next morning, right? And he took two servants with him, and when he got to the place where he was going to sacrifice Isaac, he made the two servants stop, and then he and Isaac went on, right? So helpful hints. When Joshua had his people marching around the city, right? He told his marchers not to say one word. Don't say one word until I give the command. When David was facing Goliath and Goliath came, David went quickly to the battle line. And I'm not saying rush into things, but anyway, he went quickly. All right, so watch what you say. Watch what you hear. And then... I love, I always love this one. Recount your previous victories. For Abraham, Abraham had, had spoken with God before. I mean, when they asked him to sacrifice, he had spoken with God before. In fact, God said, change your name. And Abraham did that, right? So Abraham had to remember that his name used to be Abram, and now it's Abraham. So we don't have uh, victories like changing our name, Maybe, but we all have victories that stick in our mind of where God stepped into our lives and made a difference, okay? I got you, Thomas. And Joshua, if you remember Joshua, Joshua, when, when they went across the uh, Jordan River, remember they picked up the stones and stacked them up on the other side as a memorial to say we had walked across on dry land. And when David was, was convincing Saul that he should go out and meet Goliath, he said, hey, I killed when the lion and the bear came to get my sheep, I killed them and got my sheep back. I, you know, I, I don't think I paid much attention to how would you send a teenage boy out to fight a lion with a stick or a sling or something like that? That's, uh, that's some pretty mir miraculous stuff that had here. But that's the stuff that gave David confidence to defeat Goliath. Let's remember. Trust God. Did that make any sense? It did? Well, that's good. All right. Trust God. I'm preaching to me now. It's, uh, you know, if y'all got it, that was, that was just a bonus. All right. Let's, um, let's pray. If anybody has anything, I'd be glad to pray with you. Uh, and Robbie will be back next Sunday. Hallelujah. All right. Father God, we thank you and praise you for this day. And Father, we thank you for your words that you've given us. That we can look back and study and look at the examples of your heroes. And we can apply their trust and belief and actions. And we can apply those to our lives today. And we thank you so much for loving us for giving your son to us, for saving our souls, for being a comfort to, to give us trust and not fear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.